Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, Volume 3, Issue 114. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 3, and our next five upcoming issues are Castlevania, Lords of Shadow, and a look back at uh, other 3D Castlevanias, The Binding of Isaac, then we return to Mario and Super Mario 64, after that it's the long-awaited and much-requested Demon's Souls podcast, and to follow that, it's the never-requested, but quite interesting, Manhunt and Manhunt 2 issue. Head to canerince.com for the full schedule, our blog, links to the forum, our merchandise stall featuring swanky new t-shirt designs, Facebook, we even have a Google Plus now, a Twitter, of course, and a YouTube. As ever, please remember to subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, though, we have Tony Atkins. Hello. And Darren Foreman. Hello, everyone. Just a, a, a three again this week. Uh, various people had possibly been lined up for this one, but uh, nobody made it. And of course, this being a relatively uh, obscure, n- yeah. obscure. Not well. I don't know if it's obscure so much as underplay or not underplay. What's the right word? It, it didn't sell a lot of copies. It's not like you way. just said, "Oh, we're doing a Final Fantasy game." Yeah, exactly. Mind yeah. you, even that. Now, but we might <laughs> it might as well be in yeah, some ways, but in true. other ways not. Anyway, so yes, the, that game is the last story. Um, so this game first found shelves, hit the world in January 2011. It's over three years old, the Japanese version. And it came out in PAL regions, Australia and Europe, in February. 2012, and that's when I played it. And uh, latterly, the North American release was August 2012. They had to wait over a year and a half. How does it feel, in How does it feel? <laughs> <laughs> well, the you know the the people who cared, I'm sure, were hugely frustrated. But I suspect that was a, a not huge amount of people. And indeed, if we can trust VG Chance figures, uh, this game sold uh, around about a quarter of a million copies in America. Which you know, it's not. It's not pitiful. But after but the big campaign to get it launched there, that's... You know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, it's it's not huge. I mean, uh, it sold half that amount in Europe, uh, just over 0.1 million, and in Japan, 0.18 million, and uh, 0.03 across the rest of the world. So overall, it sold under 600,000 copies, we believe. Don't know whether it uh, washed its face, as they say in the film industry, um, made its development budget back. Uh, not privy to that sort of information but let's start finding out uh, when and obviously this is this is not a complicated one there's only one way you can play this game really and that's on the Wii or a Wii U uh, for, for all the difference it makes um, but Darren did you buy this day one um, did you play it through straight away have you been back since that sort of thing well to be honest I'm not one of the guys that bought this game um, I actually got mine through a rental copy from Love Film Ah, okay. Um, basically, I knew that I was getting it for uh, my birthday, which was coming up uh, after the release date, so I just decided to rent it and play it right off the bat. Did uh, you then get it for your birthday? I did then get it for my birthday. I got the lovely, shiny special edition with the collector's edition's uh, soundtrack, the art book, and the lovely steel uh, case yeah. that it came in. Beautiful steel case, that is. It's okay, so you, nice you, you've never played your own copy of the game, is that what you're saying? Um... Pretty much. <laughs> it's been yeah. opened. I've had a look at all yep. the nice little bump and uh, pamphlets and stuff, but uh, yeah. no, I've just played it through Love Film. And as for uh, knowing that it was coming up, obviously there was the entire Operation Rainfall thing, trying to get it uh, translated into the West and mm-hmm. over to Europe and America. 
And yeah. just the fact that it was by Mr. Walker, who were behind, um, you know, the guys that were behind Lost Odyssey, that mm. pretty much made it a cert that I had to play it. I mean, just saying that it's from, like, the father Final Fantasy isn't enough for me by itself, you know, but uh, Lost Odyssey, not so much Blue Dragon. Um, yeah, I, d- I did have to play this game, you know. Like, the track mm. record is spotty, but the the good games in that track record are good games. Tony, you also got the swanky special edition. Yeah, and the, I know the same ver- the same reason probably for Darren in that case is that um, you know Final Fantasy. Obviously, you know I've played a, a spattering of Final Fantasy games throughout the past. So, but um, Lost Odyssey, I I absolutely adored. In, in fact, you know we really should be doing a Lost Odyssey show rather than uh, this show. But it's that's hard. I mean, that's a harder okay, problem to do well, both. Let's, let's change it. <laughs> no, but it's uh, a, it's no, a harder proposition I've never to, played Lost to do because Lost Odyssey Sorry, guys, is. Sorry, uh, guys. Your uh, currently scheduled recording is going to have to be postponed. <laughs> well, you know, that, I'd love to think that I can remember every detail of Lost Odyssey, but in, in truth, it's you know, it's a huge game. It's you know, it's you know, in the Final Fantasy vein of eighty to ninety hours long. Um, you know, and to to kind of take that as a commitment is very hard. But uh, I mean, this this game is is shorter. But um, anyway, I, I adored Lost Odyssey, so. Knowing that this was the work to follow that, um, I, I had to have it. So, uh, a bit like Darren, I, I ordered the limited, super duper limited edition because let that thing get over you. Like, yeah, oh god, I love this previous game, so I must get the swanky version. Uh, so, got that through and then didn't play it uh, up until about a month ago. Yeah, started about a month ago. So, uh, a bit like Darren. Almost had a, an unused copy up until two, uh, a month ago. So, <laughs> uh, and that's uh, that's part of you know, one of the reasons of the format of Kane and mm-hmm. Rinse was certainly in my head when I came up with the idea was to help me clear some of my backlog. Yeah, um, it sort of doesn't work in terms of clearing backlog, but it does mean that you're perhaps more likely to revisit old games that have been shelved for whatever reason, um, as well as you know picking interesting games that, that we wanted to talk about. But here was your excuse to play it. So it was, I think yeah. we pretty much scheduled this in. It was pretty much you saying. Well, it's an in, it's got an interesting story, and I really ought to play that special edition that I bought two yeah, years ago. Spent <laughs> the money, enjoyed his previous yeah. game, so you know it, it yeah. made sense. And it was uh, the excuse was it was you know, slightly after Christmas, so I could have played it over Christmas. Um, yes, yeah. you know, RPGs over Christmas, so yeah. But uh, yeah, so really, I, I guess relatively new to it, but uh, you know, I've owned, owned it since day one. Mm. Yeah, for me, it was uh, it was an odd one. It was a. Uh, a genuinely innocuous uh, tweet um, made before it came out over here I just said oh yeah last story looks good something along those lines hope I get you know hope I can play that one at some point Um, and I just got a reply back straight away from Tim Smith of Spong.com who said do you want to review it Uh, obviously you get a copy of the game so I said okay then so I actually got it um, I got the opposite of the special edition I got it in a plastic envelope just the disc um, and uh, but I you know it meant I got it ahead of release and I, I played most of it before before the game came out over here um, but I haven't played it since so I am you know I've, I've done some revision I've refreshed my memory um, but Tony it's going to be the freshest in your mind um, so what is the uh, I know you, you went over it briefly but um I know it's a very nice uh, special editions go. So you two, what what's the, uh, what's the contents of that magical special edition box? It has the sexiest steel book that I've ever laid eyes upon. Okay, <laughs> it's a beautiful golden color with just artwork to die for on the cover. Mm. Okay, uh, the soundtrack, which yeah. is pretty good, um, and also one disc, more than one. Disc? No, just one disc. I think only six tracks on it as well. 
mm, um, okay. which pretty much probably covers the game. It's got a nice sleeve as well, like for the soundtrack and the art book. And uh, of course, we just mentioned the art book, which is full of beautiful illustrations. Like the artwork in this game is uh, pretty nice. Kimihiko Fujisaka, the the main artist, um, perhaps best known other than this for the Dragon Guard series, which is now a trilogy. Um, yeah, but apart from that, it comes with the, the usual gubbins of a huge manual for every country in the world uh, and it comes in a massive oversized box for some bizarre reason because you get both a still bookcase and a normal case do you? so that's that is unusual odd mm-hmm. that is unusual but it's nice I, I mean it's not quite as elaborate as something like a Blizzard special edition which is usually like bigger than your house but uh, it's mm. it's more than good enough for uh, what as uh, as I've said not exactly a niche game but like a game that with uh, a certain limited appeal, I would imagine. Well, actually, and I know, Leon, you, you quickly went through the rough rundown of how many it sold, you know, 600,000 or so. and According to VG Charts. And th- that's actually, to, to me, that's that's more than I, I anticipated you saying. Because, yeah, you know, yeah. like Darren says, I think I think it is a niche title, uh, an RPG on, on the Wii. Um, the, thing, the thing is, you know, Arthur, I mean, I could imagine the numbers for America and Europe, but I would have thought that it would have sold more on Japan. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. I'm sure that's what they were hoping on. But. Yeah, it's it's that thing where although the Wii console did phenomenally well, it did phenomenally well with a certain demographic that there perhaps wasn't a big crossover with games like this. Um, which, although as we'll find out, had some unusual things for it uh, as an as a JRPG. Um, still, you know, from to the to the casual observer, you would have just thought, right, it's one of those. It's one of those Japanese RPGs. Um, so yes, Mistwalker, formed by uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi um, back in 2004. He of yes, Final Fantasies one to five, um, also uh, had a hand in six, and also did some stuff on Chrono Trigger and Front Mission. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier than that, on the NEC PC, games called The Death Trap and Will The Death Trap 2, which I'm not familiar with. Um, Rad Racer. He was involved in the design of Rad Racer on the NES. Um, later, uh, executively produced things like Xenogears and Bushido Blade 2. Lots and lots of famous square names. Parasite Eve... Uh, even driving emotion type S vagrant <laughs> story and so on um, right up until uh, yeah the early 2000s when he was still executive producing Final Fantasies 10, 11 and 12 and so on um, then yeah, went off to form Mistwalker um, and as uh, I remember at the time it was it was quite a big deal obviously I, I assume Microsoft got involved in the sense that they wanted to try and break this new console they had uh, the 360 in Japan and so they um, I presu- assume there was some sort of business relationship they where a lot of money at them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. to make uh, Blue Dragon which I've never played but uh, I gather it was a very traditional JRPG it's not very um, good and yeah I mean it reviewed okay at the time but every time people talk about it now I mean it did well enough to warrant a couple of uh, follow-ups there's um, Nintendo DS versions yeah couple of DS follow-ups or versions um, but generally people don't talk about it with a huge amount of affection um, 
Whereas the Lost, uh, Lost Odyssey is, uh, you've you've both already said that you really like Lost Odyssey. I've I've heard a lot of people have really struggled to get into Lost Odyssey, but then I suppose that doesn't make it any different to any number of other JRPGs. I mean, famously, Final Fantasy VII had so much hype that so many people bought it, and they had no idea what they were buying, and then they were baffled and amused, and it became the most traded in game. Anecdotally, I mean, the, the funniest thing about Lost Odyssey is obviously um, Sakaguchi left Square to, to design because it, it, it was believed he was you know kind of bored with the format at Square and yes. wanted to go off and, and you know stretch his muscles and try something different and essentially with Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey he recreated um, you know Final Fantasy in, in yeah. pretty like I mean I think Lost Odyssey personally is better than any of the Final Fantasy games I've played purely because um, its story is taken a, kind of a lot more serious um, you know it, it deals with um, you know being eternal and, and seeing people around you you know come and go you know loving and then losing multiple times you know throughout your life it's mm. it's got a you know a very very you know deep and interesting story of, with fantastic characters laced throughout yet the gameplay isn't a million miles away from a Final Fantasy they had a f- you know few tweaks here and there but you can see it it bears all the hallmarks so yeah i mean that's true of every final fantasy mm-hmm. you know they they're all tweaked slightly from the other ones that's part of the the thing with final fantasy isn't it apart from the sort of direct sequels and even then they tend to have sort of altered mechanics so if he had stayed at square and made lost lost odyssey it could have easily been called final fantasy yeah and i, and I think whatever. if if lost odyssey was a final fantasy game it would probably be you know regarded as as one of the best final fantasy games it, but it's mm. not you know it's it's often its own and it, and like I said, I think it's it's very much a grown-up man's lot, um, Final Fantasy game. Um, mm. But I mean, here's the problem: it's it's the best part of you know seventy to ninety hours, um, which you know I back in two thousand and seven, I think it came out around that time. Um, you know, I I had all the time in the world to play a game like that. Where now mm. it's it's very you know. It's when people say say to me, "You need to play Persona," and you know they talk about you know the sixty to seventy hours to play any kind of Persona, and I'm like, I just don't have that kind of time now. So, um, you know, that's one of the things why uh, you know tonight's game is is all the last story is is so good because it is shorter. So it's also worth saying, it's definitely worth saying that Sakaguchi uh, is you know credited as designer and supervisor on Lost Odyssey. He wasn't the director. He wasn't the producer the, you know it, it was his company but mm-hmm. he wasn't nearly as involved in Lost Odyssey as he was in Last Story which was his first game as director since Final Fantasy V which was yeah 20 years more hands on pretty much yeah. yeah much more yeah um, so I mean in a, you know obviously he had an influence in what Lost Odyssey was but it wasn't his game in the sense that you know it's like you know he he wasn't the director it's that's a pretty big you know it's a pretty big difference um but as i say you know there, there's definitely an interest in doing a lost odyssey issue of the podcast i'm sure that will happen sometime uh, another final fantasy veteran involved in this game was uh nobuo uematsu uh, the, the the musician and composer um now I think my my experience of I haven't played through all the Final Fantasies I've played bits of most of them um, and I've always found that um, the they they normally have a you know like a handful of tunes that I find you know really powerful and memorable but quite a lot that aren't um, and I I was hoping for for more from this soundtrack there are some memorable themes and tunes but 
a lot of it I, I wasn't hugely inspired by and I really part of my problem is with JRPGs and uh, you know I've played quite a lot finished fewer but finished many um, is that ever since the first one I played which was Square's Secret of Mana um, the soundtrack of none of them has lived up <laughs> to the first one I played um, and that always that always disappoints me um, um, how, how do you guys feel about the, the, the audio in this game well just the music for now um, I think it was okay to be honest like generally the music was you know there was no bad tracks in it it's just that there was very few standout pieces I mean if mm. you look, I mean even Final Fantasy 13 don't play it but um, check out the soundtrack <laughs> because although most of the music in that game doesn't st- stand out either You've got the main battle theme, which is Blinded by Light. Um, that was composed by Masashi Hamazu, I think. Mm. And just that one track, any time you're thinking about the music in Final Fantasy XIII, that's probably just going to jump to the forefront. And uh, last story, it didn't have even one track like that, which was very unfortunate, I thought. I, th- I think it's got its, its main title track that, that plays throughout. There's, there's variations of that. Uh, they use it quite a lot in the kind of more... You know, subtle love scene kind of moments. You know, it, mm. it's an overarching theme. But beyond that, yeah, it, it, it's pleasant. Yeah, it's. Yeah. it's I, I mean, I think that's part of the problem. I mean, like pleasant music doesn't really jump out at me. You know, it's either high really energy or theme, orchestral or something bombastic. You know, like I mean, there are excellent ambient uh, musical choices in a lot of games that I've played. But when I'm trying to think of like a soundtrack, they're never the ones that jump out at me. And uh, another uh, credit was uh, Yoshitaka Suzuki. Um, did the arrangements of the music um, he's best known for his work on the Metal Gear Solid games particularly MGS4 and Peace Walker um, he was brought in to sort of Hollywood eyes, big up the, uh, the the audio, make it more lavish, lush, pristine, whatever um, I think you can hear that in, in yeah, probably in the main theme but maybe not, not throughout originally uh, when this game was first being put together um, it was known as Last World not the last story um, and the concept was of a blind young girl who cried blood tears um, but this being a production in conjunction with N- Nintendo um, they decided that was a little dark and we ended up with something uh, lighter and fluffier um, and the game actually spent nine months with uh, the infamous Mario Club development team um, working on issues of control and and general gameplay structure and things like that and um, having, you know, it's hard to know, uh, having just played the finished product, but I think one thing that we will keep saying about this game is how sort of um, pacey and accessible it is compared to more traditional JRPGs. Oh, without a doubt, um, it it flows both into its control system, which we'll talk about. Um, I think its length. I have a feeling they probably had something to do with that. The pace of the story. Um, it's an interesting. Certainly, when I was I heard about that, how you know this Mario Club basically takes in games and they kind of run it through Nintendo and they give them all the advice from their user experience. I thought it was an unusual move, but I, I guess if they were partly. Um, funding this project than they had publishing yeah, yeah. they had very much the right to do so but it but to hear what the game could have been I mean I'm not sure I mean <laughs> a blind girl who cried blood of tears sounds very dark and emo so so maybe it's probably best that it didn't go down that well, to that be honest route. though I mean chances are it would have been incredibly uplifting by the time you get halfway through it <laughs> 
possibly. Yeah, possibly so. Yeah. Um, but yes, Nintendo published this, obviously, in Japan and Europe. Um, in the end, after a campaign, it was Xseed who um, sort of import specialists who uh, saw that it came out in North America. Nintendo didn't want to do it themselves. I guess they thought it wouldn't be profitable. I don't know whether Xseed made money from it or not in the end. So, uh, obviously, a huge uh, part of um, any RPG are your characters and your story. Um, Tony, this is going to be the freshest in your mind, um, but you know I've I've read back the review I wrote at the time. I certainly you know uh, have feelings about this game uh, that that linger, um, and I got to say I was never really taken with any, much of that side of it at all. I thought the characters were a little insipid. Um, and the story sort of tackled the usual themes that you could expect um, this sort of a game. I mean, it wasn't, it, it, you know, it didn't, it didn't go down every single cliched road, but the, the fundamental themes of, you know, war is bad and people should be nice to each other and we're killing the planet and, you know, various things like that. We're all, we may look different, but we're all just people <laughs> underneath. You know, I mean, good, you know, good things that I deserve saying, but there there was there was nothing about the story or characters that really stood out to me. That's for me. I mean, I thought the characters were actually really well designed. I liked their personalities. I liked the way they interacted with one another. But I do feel that you're right in that they were never really given a chance to spread out and become more than just like fairly two-dimensional car- uh, characters, you know. Yeah, it, it's interesting actually because there's there's a number of um, side quests, and the side quests are more to do with um, expansion of the characters. So, in some respects, it was a little Mass Effecty. That um, although I think in Mass Effect you have to do the the you know the character quest, but. Um, so there is side quests for for many of the characters which expand their story, but you can actually miss an entirety and just and continue on with the main plot, which seems a bit of a, a misfire considering the game is relatively short for an RPG anyway. I mean, I did those those side quests because I was aware of them and they were pretty good. But um, yet the the story itself, I don't think it's as cliched as as many certainly as many JRPGs. I mean, you are right that it, you know you are the land is dying and you're trying to find out the reason why the land is dying and ultimately it's the, you know these two um, track kind of spirit souls that are that are draining the land because the the the, the energy that is being used to fight war is essentially you know draining the land of, of mm. its power. I mean mm. that. That sounds familiar of many things that we've probably seen before, but I think it's it's well enough handled. Um, you have a, a main character that uh, you know he's a mercenary and wants also his name's Seal and wants to become um, a knight, so he wants to elevate his position from just being a mercenary. Um, and but there's also also political backgrounds of that. Are the knights actually um, the good guys or the bad guys? Mm. Are they actually you know you know? continuing this war when this war really needs to end um you have the garak who are the bad guys that you know, seemingly just want you know to live on their own piece or their own little uh, side of their the country and you know they keep being dragged into war but you learn that you know secretly both sides have got these ridiculous maniacs that are trying to harness the power of the the outsider that is uh, you know essentially driving these two you know, countries to war and you know you, you've got your main character that you're playing and you're trying to you know unravel all these threads and, and make everything right it, but it's I mean the political stuff is never too overly, overly bearing and I actually don't think they it's 
becomes off too particularly emo either. So I think they they strike a good enough balance. And one thing which you know you can complete this game in around twenty five hours. Me personally, I think I did twenty eight to twenty nine, probably because I did a few more side quests. Yeah. Um, and I mean that's that's one of the I think the positives of, of the last story, which I, I guess it, it comes to what you play JRPGs for, isn't it? Some people will love the the you know, huge grind of eighty to ninety hours and spending all the time with the characters, but quite often a lot of the, a lot of people are just playing it to to get to see more parts of the story, or you know, in, in, in the case of a lot of Final Fantasy, more more FMVs and, and cutscenes kind of continue the plot. So they do a pretty good job of actually condensing the plot. Um, as, as complex as it is down to you know just a number of cutscenes uh, sporadically placed throughout um, and considering there's a lot of combat as well so I think for a, a JRPG I think it handles its its story plot and characters pretty well considering it only has a, a relatively short time period against traditional methods that's not to say that we haven't had fantastic games with great characters and, and scripts and writings in you know 15 hour 10 hour plots so but um, mm. I think for JRPG it does a good job. But uh, as Darren said, I think the cast and the cast of characters are actually unusual. I, they're they're more kind of cheeky, um, a bit more grounded than than the usual completely over the top um, characters out there. I, I, I don't want to say all JRPGs because clearly some are great, but um, you know we we all know the ones with you know chocobos inside afros and stuff like that, which just seem so far beyond you know the realms of everyday characters that it's ridiculous uh, to have one that you know has aspirations to be you know better in himself and others that are happy to be mercenaries and um you know i think they they work quite well no i mean it's interesting you mentioned uh, mass effect there because i found that there were parallels in this game to mm. dragon age 2 and that quite a lot of the game it takes place in the one city and you start yeah. off as a bunch of really low-life mercenaries. Nobody likes you. They're spitting in your face while you're passing them in the street. And as you rise up through the ranks, the the townspeople start to change their uh, their opinion of you, or at least how they interact with your cartels, you know. And I found that aspect of it uh, to be quite decent, you know. Dragon Age 2 tried that and largely failed, you know. I didn't like the way that the story in Dragon Age 2 um, unfolded, but in this, I, th- I thought um, just the way that it all came together was... You know that aspect was pretty decent. I found, uh, and and I've seen even even uh, within the relatively small amount of uh, feedback we've had for this uh, game coming up to the podcast, um, mixed opinions as regards to the the voice cast. Now, I, I was fully <laughs> in favour of the uh, the full English localization. I've got to admit, um, I would have. I wish that they didn't try and make up like English accents for this game. You know, they should have just had, like, real ones. Uh, well, they sort of are. But I think the problem (laughs) is, like, this is, yeah. Um, I mean, they're English actors, mainly. And, and, you know, I would, I would applaud this, but I think, um, you know, I don't know if it's budgetary reasons. Even, even in my original review, I got some stick for this. Some, you know, some of the only comments made under the review were in criticism of my criticism of the the acting (laughs) performances. Um... I think they're variable. I think variable is a word I used. And like the main guy, Zale, is played by an actor called Jack Ryder, who has, you know, he's he's been in EastEnders. It's, it's you know, and, and, and he does he does fine. Um, but throughout, there are, yeah, like... Um, You've got Saran, who's voiced by Troy Baker. 
<laughs> I'm trying to think if that's true or not. <laughs> I don't think that's true. So I'm one of the female cardinals, so I'd imagine that I'm making that up. Yeah, no. Um, it's mostly it's mostly um, young uh, British talent, and and I found that it often sounded like an episode of Hollyoaks, which yeah, I mean they were enthusiastic and earnest, but. The, the sometimes the colloquialisms and like you say the accents seemed forced and and weirdly the narration which is by uh, an excellent British character actor Christopher Fairbanks who people may know from Alien 3 or Alfie own Pet the narration sounded like it was for children yeah I completely agree with that what, what is really weird with the character actors is in fact it, it completely threw me off for the first few hours um, I, I jumped on Twitter after the first I think, two hours of this game saying you know, I'm enjoying the, the combat but oh my god without doubt it's one of the worst voice acting uh, cast mm. I've ever, ever mm. heard and like certainly after the first two hours I, I, I was on board with that and then I had a lot of um, it's strange because we haven't had that much correspondence but I had a lot of people in um, America come and defend it said actually yeah. Yeah. I, I thought the, the, they were actually you know quite quaint in, in some way like you know it, it, I found it really you know engaging and so then I was digging a little bit more and I, and I think it's because it, it for them it you know for a lot of um you know, I guess you know Americans use it as that but a, a lot of westerners then um it's they don't often get to to hear the dialect of different regions of the United Kingdom so yeah, so increasingly that, more so these days with The Hobbit and Game of Thrones and stuff like that. But I think overall, it's like we wouldn't necessarily. I mean, you know, we're very, we're probably more well versed in American accents through movies and television exposure. But yeah, it's that thing. It's harder to spot a bad actor. It's why it's one of the reasons that I'd always rather watch a subtitled movie than a dub movie. Not not only because you want to hear their original voice, but also because. Uh, uh, you don't. You won't necessarily know if they're putting it out yeah, performance. But this. But the odd thing about it is, I. I. They really grew on me. By. By the end, I. I couldn't right. have seen the characters being voiced in. In a kind of a more of a monotone, you know, standard kind of game American game a game voice. I. I was really pleased. I mean, I would have loved. I, I think if there was an option to have to had the original track, I, I would have gone down that in a heartbeat. But mm. eventually, you know, I. I hated Seren at the start. She's. She's a real kind of laddie. Northern chick, and as I, I just you know, I just couldn't get on with her. But by the end of the game, I, I was completely behind. I was rooting behind. I loved her the way that she was just really this big boisterous woman that got in into people's faces, and she you know she drunk the bar dry. And it was a, it was an unusual character you wouldn't normally see in the game. And if they did normally go down that route, you'd have it at least as a male character. So so to have her as just kind of a you know lad ladette was was an interesting choice. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the voice acting in this game is, generally, I think it's reasonably well done. I mean, I don't think that it's particularly brilliantly acted, but it is quite natural, you know? Like, um, you can tell that there's quite a lot of the actual voice actor coming through in the performance. And, um... Mm. I was, it really I was, seems to divide people. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing interesting, is, I kind of wondering how it ways. would be if you were, like, uh, if you were an American checking this out, as Tony was saying, you know? Like mm. um, they were defending it because it's not something they get to see, mm. I'll hear a lot of, you know. And generally, when you're kind of considering what good voice acting is, you're comparing it to other uh, accents and voices that you've heard um, coming through your TV, through your speakers. And this is so different that it's hard to kind of gauge how good the actual voice acting is because there's not much to actually compare it against. 
It just, as I say, like I, I, I appreciated the the efforts of the localization. I appreciated the efforts of the cast, but it's just that I think sometimes some of the talents of the actors employed were not up to the sort of gravity of the things that they were supposed mm-hmm. to be delivering. So, as I say, sometimes it sounded rather like a children's drama series more than you know. And maybe that's appropriate. Maybe maybe it, it's just you know. It, it's also really odd because the game is is relatively funny in points. There, uh, certainly, if you can look it out, they. There's there's one or two cutscenes where they do actually <laughs> joke around. I, c- I can think of one where, one at the very end where was it? Uh, Sodan, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or was it Lowell gets smacked in the balls? That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> which is a ridiculous moment. From it's a real kind of like, huh? Okay. Um, but also, <laughs> if you there's a couple of scenes if if you know where to walk that you can hear. Um, I think it's Dagran talking to Yurik about the size of his penis um, mm-hmm. while they're having a bath, which is. It's, it's, it's odd and then also Seren talking to um, it's Miranya about the fact that she's got great boobs um, it's really odd like if you go if you just kind of traditional JRPG stuff it's just that we're not used to having it delivered in, to us in that yeah in kind of British accents very odd yeah yeah and of course there's also the fact that Miranya's uh, able to eat in, insane amounts of food as well she is indeed I but as I say, that's it's it's that sort of that slightly risque adult content that sits so at odds with this with the child the sort of childish delivery, particularly of the narration, which almost it's like it's you know someone reading a, an infinite it's, bedtime story. It sounded story. like a storybook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strange thing. Um. So uh, now, obviously, your main character. You, again, you could be forgiven uh, if if you hadn't played this, or just thinking, ah, spiky head protagonist, and that's true. But actually. Um, one of the cool things about this game it's something apparently they put in relatively late is the ability to very much um, visually customise your 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 squad your gang of characters which is pretty cool yeah you can um, collect die um, throughout the, the you know the one land I guess one place um, you can even get uh, if you know which quest to do invisible invisibility die so you can actually take off complete yeah. armor sets and actually essentially have your characters running around with just their underpants on which is ridiculous but. not that I would ever take advantage of that but no. uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, mm. <laughs> yeah so, so you have that you also have a a lot of armor sets so you know there's well actually a lot of armor sets there's there's basic sets you have um, feather leather um, I think it's called Brave, which is a combination of metal and um, leather. You have then, then heavy armor, um, and with within those, you can upgrade them sporadically throughout the game with, with different things you can, uh, different items you you need to gather throughout the world through chests, etc., or win them in, in battles. Um, so there's a lot of upgrading of of different armor, and obviously some stuff's better for for magic users, other stuff is better for for melee users. And there's a whole host of of weapons and bows, and um, you know it's it's quite quite deep. In fact, there's there's a lot of lots and lots of equipment that um, does one thing, but if you upgrade it uh, significantly enough, then it, it could do something entirely different. Um, if you if you got the right ingredients, and some of them will have completely different appearances as well as the uh, mm. level up. Is it the the dragon armor that's the crazy one or not? Well, yeah, dragon armor is certainly crazy. If you do lots of things at the, at the start of the game, you get uh, I think it's I can't remember the dragon seals or something like that. And essentially, you can create that into the the best armor in the game, which is the dragon armor. Uh, has the, or at least the highest resistance. It actually, if you put guard up, you've got a ninety percent chance of blocking everything that's coming into you. So it's very, very good armor. But it's also just 
completely over the top. You, you know, dragon armor by name, dragon armor by looks. You, you have this big dragon bone helmet on and <laughs> a wing off your arm, which is a shield and a great big tail. Huge protrusions. Um, yeah, and I mean it's the armor I went with because I, I thought, why not? You just get the best armor. Unfortunately, I, I hadn't quite realized you could individually take certain parts of that armour off so I spent a good four hours in the game with this ridiculous helmet on with my character doing the voice dialogue and mm. just like yeah. a, the a great thing about it is that it uh, also sh- shows through in the cutscenes mm-hmm. so you've got all these like uh, really either touching cutscenes or um, touch scenes that are meant, uh, cutscenes that are meant to have a lot of gratis and you've got this crazy insane <laughs> main character just standing right in the middle of it you got claws the hands nobody yeah. notices it yeah no one mentions. Yeah. yeah, no one mentions. Um, there's some other great armors. Well, they, they, that, the they nice armor. Got used to it, you know. Oh yeah, um, I didn't. I mean, like thirty years later, I was still like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> but uh, one thing that sorry, no, no, I actually think that the armor stuff and the weapon stuff is 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 one of the deeper aspects of this game. If you if you want to go travel down that, and one of the reasons to come back to this game as a new pl- new game plus because you can essentially upgrade everything to plus ninety nine. <laughs> so if you so wish to play the game multiple times. No. <laughs> no. Not for one thing that um, one thing that uh, is hugely traditional, um, almost uh, I, I would say we could describe it as functional, is the sort of the actual interface, the uh, outside of combat, the menu, you know, the the customization, the the general items and stuff like that is extremely um, basic, but but actually quite reassuring and fun in that. Okay, I'm I know what I'm doing here, um, but it's not an area that they tried to modernise in the same way that they clearly wanted to with some of the other elements of the game. Yeah, and to be honest, that might be for the better because I was playing the Dark Souls 2 beta not that long ago and mm. uh, what they've done to the menu there is made it cryptic beyond all measure. <laughs> um, you can stab select to get like a little toolbox with tips up but uh, the problem is that everything is just simply an icon um, with no other kind of basically like it's it's really hard to tell which each icon actually means you know and i'd rather have what's in the last story like just this basic functional ui yeah. as yep. opposed to something that you just can't figure out yeah yeah i'm with you on that uh locations wise as you say there, there's only kind of one uh, real hub of population that's lazarus city um most of the game takes place as i recall on lazarus island although there are journeys out to sea and uh, <laughs> the island takes a trip that's right, of course, yes. The continents themselves become uh, battleships, effectively, mm-hmm. don't they? Yeah. Um, we forgot to issue our, uh, our standard spoiler warning. This is our standard spoiler warning for any further spoils. Um, I found that, again, um, similar sort of feeling about everything uh, that we've talked about up to this point, for me, was that uh, the locations were pleasant, um uh, some some were more interesting than others but again generally there was nothing that really kind of you know captured my imagination or blew me away like some areas of some JRPGs oh, have. I'll agree with us I mean if if you if you compare it to something like Xenoblade uh, Saga Xenoblade Saga Xenoblade Chron- sorry Chronicles yeah yeah if you compare it to say Xenoblade Chronicles like that area in the Bionis's knee where you can see out for miles and the entire thing is just completely explorable um, if you compare it to something like that, uh, the last story definitely comes up lacking, and uh, basically just places to explore, places to see. I mean, some of it looks nice, but it all feels very contained. You know, it's it's all these very isolated feeling areas. Yeah, I was reading the in the art, but there's a little section in there 
with you know them talking about the reasons behind Lazarus Island and, and City and and why there was only one location and they were saying that they want you to feel you know, familiar with the land and if if you stand there you can you I mean it's it's quite good you, you see people go about their daily business so you know there's a market area where people are selling stuff and you know there's the arena and there's a you know a fountain in the middle where kids are playing and the city's quite alive in that respect um and there's a lot of side quests in that city they they unlock at certain times as you play through the game um the game quite often doesn't do a very good job of, of pointing the player to those you, you really just either have to talk to everybody at every opportunity and then just stumble across it so there's no real kind of log like okay I've done that I'll tick that off um, it's, it's just once you've started a quest you kind of need to remember um, where it, you know what's what's going on and it's very organic in that way um, but I agree I, I've played so many games um, you know even games which are far far shorter than um, the last story and had multiple locales and so it it feels quite restrictive to have even a 25 hour JRPG essentially in one place they they count the castle more of a second place I, I guess it is but um and then eventually the the Lazarus city becomes an island which rips away from the main continent but you're, you're still on a in the same place and, and ultimately everyone's still going about their daily business even though you know the continent is moving across the water yeah they're still selling the shops it's not a problem <laughs> like life goes on mm. um which is which is kind of odd so yeah I, I really i i certainly felt like that they could have done a lot more than just you know two two locations essentially you end up in a gar- the garak base um there's a lot of underground tunnels that all look relatively the same it's not to say that it's not a pretty game because I think at times you know and I sound terrible but running on the Wii the, at, at times you're like yeah I mean this this does the Wii proud it, there's there's a one or two scenes suddenly when you know they're looking at the night sky and there's there's great you know lovely blues in the sky and and pieces like that that you think yeah this really is you know pushing the Wii other times everything looks a little bit grey washed out um, you know mm. pretty unspectacular um, on the battlefield things you know you know, they, I think it does a better job at kind of representing everything that's going on but it, it suffers hugely from frame rate issues like it's, it's whether it's, it hasn't been optimised enough even though it went through club uh, through uh, the Mario Club but at times if, if you get into a, a real big hectic battle, battle I mean I, I was down to single frames on occasions and yeah that's probably not good enough for any game so um that's a shame but it's a general performance it it runs okay but yeah i would have i really felt like i wanted more certainly lost odyssey as well the locales in that were, were fabulous uh, um and you know even um yeah i mean i think one of the problems with the, the last story was that i was an over-reliance of like these enclosed dungeons that just weren't visually mm-hmm. interesting you know like if you get if you've got a nice verdant field where you can see miles in the distance, even th- if the the battleground itself is relatively small, you get that feeling of expanse that you just don't get when you're like hemmed in by this cavernous kind of areas, you know. Kind of reminded me of Too Human, and that's not not a great <laughs> thing because it's just the same kind of cavernous. Like I, I kind of see, I've seen this before, um, over <laughs> and over again. And in some respects, if you if you stick with the standard controls. Um, Mechanisms, it, it kind of almost resembles to human that one step more. The kind of you just push forward to attack. It's it's odd. 
Yeah, there was. Um, well, right. Yes, let's get into it. The, the I would say the meat of the game, certainly the thing that I remember mm-hmm. the most about the game, is the action. Uh, it's third person. It's real time. Um, you are afforded tactical options, both in terms of controlling your AI party and also, or or leaving them to their own thing and giving them in- instructions. Um, there are options for environmental destruction. You have a cover system and a crossbow, and you can sneak up on people. There's a stealth element. Um, you can surprise them by assaulting them from around a corner. And then, of course, there's magic, um, in which you create big circles of, of elements. Um, and with your main character, Zale, you can spread these elements far and wide with your with your, with your Gale, Zale's Gale. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that adds up, in my experience, to a whole load of fun. Yeah, it's I completely agree for all the the criticisms we've had for the through the game and you know likes or dislikes. The the thing that will definitely stick with me is the way it handles itself in the actual gameplay department, which I, I guess is is primarily the reason you you come into this game in the first place. And it, I mean, it is very for for my criticisms of uh, Lost Odyssey feeling very much like you know his previous work. This this feels entirely different. In fact, I'm I quite often I shy away from the more kind of real time. Um, JRPG stuff. I I I like the the more traditional. I mean, obviously, I played Mass Effect and even the Western RPG stuff. You know, it feels a bit more kind of shootery. But um, mm. I, I've tried stuff like this before, where it's more real time combat on the battlefield, and in, in still stuck within that kind of RPG s um, gameplay. And I, it's, I've never, I've always struggled with it for whatever reasons. It it, it Tight, tends to kind of get on top of me, complex things a bit too much, and I never give it the time to kind of sink in and, and, and really enjoy it. So, I was a little trepidatious about playing the last story because my previous experience with this kind of combat hasn't really panned out all that well. But um, it, it's given me a new life, lease of life to go and try that stuff because I really enjoyed it by the end. Yeah, I mean, one of the problems with a lot of companies attempting to do a real time combat thing in JRPGs is that a lot of them do, like, it feels experimental rather than mm. finished, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, even Nino Kuni, you know, like um, that's kind of like a semi-real-time uh, battle system, mm-hmm. and it's mm. really—I found it impossibly dire to control. Like uh, you'd have your familiars going around doing their own thing, getting in the way, throwing everything out wrong, and it's—it's it's almost an art when you try something new and actually succeed with a JRPG. And I think the last story actually came pretty close to that. And I'm thinking uh, the one I done was Eternal Sonata where there was a you know, real time on the mm, battlefield yeah. and, and there was so much going on that I just constantly got confused and I, and I, the last story does a really good job of actually simplifying that stuff and making it very obvious to the player what's going on and how to progress with the powers of the characters around him and not just his main abilities I've got to admit that I did end up running up walls by accident quite a lot <laughs> I never mm. used that tactic <laughs> Yeah, I mean, going back, uh, like uh, as I say, I started the, my first JRPG was Secret of Mana, which is um, actually real time action. The action there, you wander around, you have full analog movement. It's not grid based like some like um, Suikoden or something like that. You can walk around this sixteen bit battlefield. You can swipe your sword, charge it up, hit things. Um, it was more actiony, and after that, did I play things like um, Final Fantasy VII, which uh, even then they were starting to experiment with the idea of some sort of time flow, so it wasn't just turn, 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 turn. Then I think it was Game Arts Grandia came along and really started to evolve things, where actually it felt more like there was some sort of not real time but dynamic time variant. But in 
the last story it feels like the natural progression of things like Final Fantasy 12 and even MMOs I guess like World of Warcraft not that I've ever played that um, but I played Final Fantasy 11 um, but it's it's very pacey and it's it like I, I, I enjoyed Nino Kuni uh, obviously more than you did Darren but um, and certain things about that game I much prefer to the last story but it did feel like a backward step after after um after the last story in terms of making the action sequences the 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 combat i suppose valkyria chronicles is another mm. it, it almost has elements of the sort of the classic t- turn-based japanese game but it's not turn-based it's it's got you've got your your traditional elements and tropes elemental aspects um you know healing circles and all this sort of thing but it all kicks off and, and when it when it does kick off it really is i never i never felt in this game kind of restricted or or stifled by by the by the mechanics it always felt like every every time i was about to swing that sword or whatever again it felt like a, a satisfying yeah. treat so so i mean it, it essentially there's there's classes of character and each character has their own unique class um as the the main protagonist say you you have you're a melee um class so you, you don't really deal with magic uh, although you have an ability you have two abilities i guess which are a kind of magic you have a, a um the outsider magic which is how to describe this in a, in a weird thing but it, it's basically an aggro thing you it, it sends off um a a blue beam of light and it draws everybody on the battlefield towards you um now if you can try to defend that you can put up a a stance a guard and you also have another ability called oh what was it gale um that swishes off and and causes a bit of a, a wind around you but the reason to use gale is essentially the the circles now the circles are what other characters put down on the ground um so a simple way to describe is a white circle will be a hill circle a couple of characters can do that um but there's a positive and an, uh, there's always two things that can happen with with these circles so for hill for instance if you stand inside that circle of course you will hill um now if you use gale which essentially disrupts the circle so it gets rid of the circle but what it will do at that point it will heal all the party members that uh, you know or literally just heal all the party members on the battlefield which is really handy but the the negative of that is of course then you you have no hill circle to go back to and protect yourself mm. so it's a kind of almost do or die you know do you want to heal everybody or do you just want to look out for number one now that spans across multiple different things both for the 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 you know yourself and the enemies so that can go to um you know fire um you know, leaf which is forest which is green uh, does um like that, damage green damage on the floor um but if you if you disperse leaf it, it goes to silence so then you can stop the enemies from basically attacking you or at least, at least using magic so do you want to damage mm. them with uh, an offensive um, magic or do you want them would you want to stop them being able to use magic uh, in their entirety which ultimately you know, they're not dying but at least they can't uh, attack you so interesting and even more intriguingly these uh, multiple magic circles can overlap mm-hmm. um, so you can disperse them uh in in tandem or even trio i think um but yes it's true uh, we were talking about character customization earlier in terms of dying and uh dying the clothes and wearing um different uh armors and whatever but actually their their types 
um, and the things they can become in terms of progression, in terms of what moves they can get, what specials. I mean, you, you, later in the game, you end up with uh, a tension gauge, mm-hmm. which is your, your your overdrive move, your your limit break, whatever you want to call it. Um, those are all fixed, aren't they? I mean, there's no there's no character customization in the sense that you can, you know, it's not like Dark Souls no, or something where you can spec it out. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, uh, other interesting uh, aspects are the fact that um, by default your your standard attacks are actually automated, aren't they? Um, your your slashes and kicks you pretty much just have to point in the direction of where you want to walk, and uh, they will the character will do his thing. But you can you can switch that in the menu um, to make. I'm sure expert players would want to. Uh, make that manual but actually you don't need to to finish the game yeah it, um, I, it didn't gel with me uh, it was one of the things which I was it was one of my sticking points for the first two or three hours I just it you know locking onto characters pushing forward hitting out uh, it felt like the control was taking too much out of me for for yeah. no real reason it, it feels very much like it's got the hallmarks of the Mario Club on there saying well it's accessible for people well how much more accessible is pressing A just to to swing mm-hmm. your sword I mean so it, I'm, I'm, I was advised. Certainly, a few people on Twitter said, "Look, you know, just go, you know, switch it to A." Uh, I did that instantaneously. Enjoyed the game more because I had control of where I slashed, who I slashed. Yeah. Um, you know, moving my character around became a lot more simpler. I'd also say that um, me personally, I I played it with the um, what do they call the the, the controller. The weak classic yeah, controller. The weak classic controller. Yeah, as did um, I. I was wondering if um, either of you I, used nunchuck and. Wii. I played no, the, the first first few hours yeah. with just the Wiimote. Um, mm. Really didn't get on with it. It, it yeah. yeah, going back to the nunchuck to control the character wasn't great. And uh, I was actually happened to be up in Leighton Buzzard and uh, t- was talking to to Darren Gargett and I said do you have one because it, it's like still £25 to buy a new one of those and it seemed like a huge investment to make just for one game mm. um, and he, he kindly lent me his because he said I wasn't really using it so mm. um, and it made, that made all the difference to have a, a proper controller in my hand a proper controller a controller more yeah. suited to this a standard yeah, a traditional controller yeah I, I use the same I mean I, I have both the, the original classic the little white one and the and the pro which is the black one with the with the handles and yeah I can't remember which of those I used but it, but it does say something it felt right when, when you're it felt right essentially you know disregarding the you know the Wii controller and you're just going for a normal controller it felt very much a game that you know didn't necessarily need the Wii as a platform to run on it's just you know <laughs> it's just one of those no and in some ways you know in terms of the SD the standard yeah. definition graphics and the um, and the frame rate issues that that suffered during the more hectic battles it felt like there was that sort of oh maybe you know if, if they released a you know like a a, a, spe- a special edition on the Wii U not that they would but um, if they did an HD version um, maybe they could take advantage of the gamepad in some way and add some what would have been DLC <laughs> you know type of stuff I might buy it again you know to play it to play it in that in that way what's well, not a definitive uh, definitive edition <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sort of thing yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so, so I would say that uh, going back to combat for a second, the, mm. I, th- I think when you just talk of kind of this nebulous, the, the circles, um, for anyone that hasn't played the game, it, it sounds you know doesn't sound particularly interesting, but it it really is the the core of the gameplay having having yeah. these circles put down, and you do realise essentially that Zao, the character you're playing, 
primarily you're using him just as an aggro meter because a lot of the powers um you know you you have some powerful stuff yourself but a lot of the um so the cannon fodder can pretty much be taken down by anybody but you'll you'll find that a lot of the bosses there has to be a set route of things that you need to disperse to to essentially you know you you might need to silence a a boss or do um Break, break their yeah. Circle. So if you use against flare, then that turns into break. Um, then that will break down their shield. And and but obviously they they have a cast time on these characters because a lot of them are magic based characters. Um, yeah. And if they're taking aggro, then there's no way you can ever get their their spells out. So and obviously being you know squishies because they're 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 more you know softer characters that um, they'll die quicker. So you, you realize if essentially you become just this great big aggro meter and you and to to jump around the place and you make sure that you you constantly utilizing hill circles properly or uh, and using your characters around you um and that's where the fun of the game really really starts to come in because you could be balancing both your own health the, the health of the characters around you making sure that the you know the certain armor set needs to be down um, on other characters while dealing with the aggro the, those things and you could be doing maybe five or six different things in one stationary move um, just by pressing the gale thinking okay well what's going on the battlefield what do I need to tell my, my characters which spells to use because one could use a heal but also they could use a, an offensive spell and do I need to be healed at this point or do I need to be really concentrating as you know more of a kind of a limit break thing here so it's I mean it's really good I, I thoroughly enjoyed that that aspect of the game Another aspect to, to Zael, of course, is that although he's not the the healer um, of the of the party, um, there are several other healers. He is the the human revive. He he's like mm-hmm. when you used to play in the playground and somebody had to rush up to you and press release to get you back in the game. He's that. He's like you, you have to constantly um, keep an eye on your your colleagues um, and uh, yeah, keep on the mm. move. It's it's, it's it is because he's the only one with the outsider power. Yeah. So basically, it's it kind is, of like Gears of War, where you've got to go around and lay your hands on everyone's shoulder just to get them. <laughs> yeah, back there in the are front. definitely elements of uh, Gears of War actually throughout. Um, mm-hmm. Not, yeah, not in a negative way. Yeah, even um, stuff like using the crossbow to knock down pillars. You know, that yeah. kind of felt like Gears of War to me because yeah. the, the perspective that it's uh, shown by stuff like that. Mm. The, the yeah. thing you mentioned this earlier, Leon, about there's like a stealth element. There's the you fact you have a crossbow. Um, there's other sections that get they they never really explore them much deeper than here's what you could do. Uh, quite often the the surprise element against cannon fodder, which you mm. can you know if you're a half decent um, you know half decent player of the game, you can take down anyway. Like it takes longer to to get your bow out, bring somebody over, and essentially you get one hit kill of them. But you could actually quite easily go into a room kill half a dozen people even if they call up backups yeah. um, just grind your level up I mean level grinding is not really an issue with this game but I, I found a lot of that extra stuff to be kind of superfluous that it was more about just you know having fun with the, the overarching unless a couple of times you, the characters get split up here there and everywhere and, and that stuff becomes more important because there's only so much aggro you can take if there's just two of you but quite often when it's the full roster of people <laughs> there's really no point Importantly, I think the the sounds of of, the, of your hits sound you know the clashes of swords. You've got these enormous swords, and you 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 the animation is swift, and they you know the impacts sound good, and the enemies you know they properly get knocked about and they flinch and all that stuff. It doesn't it doesn't although there there are numbers flying up in the air, and you've got 
stuff like that it does feel like you're in combat more than it could do you more than it could just be a you know a sort of tit for tat with you know kind of and you know wishy-washy swings and just numbers flying out the place it does actually feel like you're making contact mm-hmm. and that that's uh, hugely important to make f- for the action side i think but i would say that i think one of the game's sort of missed opportunities now of course like any game like this there are extra challenges to be done and there are tougher missions as an arena and various things like that but actually although some of the tactical uh, you know the situations the confrontations you end in towards the the latter part of the game are tactical because of the configuration of enemies that they throw at you in the and the locations of them and things like that it never really it never really challenged me it 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 was fun i enjoyed the game because i was never getting stuck but equally i was thinking i'm not really having to think too hard about this because i'm so powerful like you've got a best equip option which i love in, in rpgs <laughs> Just do it for me. but it's yeah. but it's so accurate that you don't it's not like hmm but i could use this one on this enemy it's just like best equip yes that'll do smack you know well, um, th- there's there's mm. a couple of things which i think the game i i personally think does to its credit but others may disagree now there, there is leveling in this game and you progress with the game the, obviously your characters level up um, but it, it's handled in a, in a strange way which is quite often this part, the party gets split up um, as soon as they rejoin you their levels you know, after two fights come straight back up to whichever level you are so no That's one right. ever really gets left behind um, there's the summon circles little red circles on the ground after you've done a major fight essentially where you can replay the mission you've just done and normally with that you can grind three or four extra levels out of the characters so you can go into the next area over leveled for those characters so yeah um, but you can never really go more than four levels past any given area if that makes sense so I couldn't use one of those circles grind myself up to level 99 and be a beast at the game it, it just starts to max. it just gives you it, it, say it'll give you 20,000 XP you'll go up a level but if you did repeat it six times it'll suddenly give you you know 20 XP so it doesn't want you to, to level too far um, and with that that's it you, you just the leveling stuff might as well, they, they kind of might as well not have had it there it just had a single mm. you know this is how hard the game is and just play through it because being an extra four levels doesn't make you, you know, suddenly that much more powerful than anything else around you. So, and I, mean, I liked it because, you know, I don't particularly like games where I'm having to to grind for, you know, three or four hours just to just to get no. past the boss. I never really felt like the game ever put me in a situation. Where I'm like, oh man, I'm so underpowered. It was more the situation of, okay, so I've died here because I can't get through his shield, and when I do get through his shield he does a ridiculous attack so now I now I, I need to know that I need to retreat everybody into this magic circle this healing circle because that, that laser beam attack he does will just completely rip everybody apart if they're not there so you, you just learn by your own mistakes in combat and that's a far better way than do it than you know I'm, I'm you know 15 levels away from being able to even attempt to, to kill this boss yeah grinding is seldom mandatory um if ever um, I think I, I recall taking advantage of the uh, of the replay area option because I was having fun mm-hmm. as much as anything and you're always assuming that the next encounter will be at some point I'm playing this game obviously I played this before I'd read any reviews of it um, or other than the Japanese version I guess I don't think I read any <laughs> though as such I'd seen some scores um, I was assuming that I would always need to be as leveled up as possible but actually 
progress was was smooth throughout even i think there's a there's a huge boss boss rush at the end isn't there yeah there's um, like four forms of the last boss yeah yeah um and it's yeah it's that weird thing where it's something that you play jrpgs and you expect you know like there's um it's something that you have to embrace with traditional style JRPGs whether it's something recent like you know Kuni or something old like a Final Fantasy game but um, the combat has to be interesting enough to to make you not hate doing you know same same type of battle over and over again because you're trying stuff out you're, you're leveling stuff up not just hitting you know low ranked enemies to a million scraps later uh level up a ball of material yeah, or I mean you, you can grind out um, armor sets so, so you're essentially you're going into battle with you know, a lot better armor uh, but even that they, they limit so you, so you need um, gold sets rather than silver sets and you can't get gold until you've, you, you've so far into the game so you know, even then they limit how far you can actually if you just wanted to grind certain enemies out for materials you can only grind you know, certain level materials so I think the, the they do a good job of actually just saying that this is the game enjoy the combat don't get too bogged down in stuff that you would have expected this game to have and in in many respects i think that's a that's a brave it's a brave thing i think mean, it's it's one of the the highlights of this game to actually step away from some of those jrpg tropes and and actually you know, carve out a little bit of its own saying that you can have a, a big story and condense it into 25 hours of gameplay you can have you know, similar type gameplay that has been found in JRPGs, and not do it under ninety hours. Um, all that stuff, and condense it down to twenty five for for people, which you know, twenty five seems a far more reasonable time. And I, and I think in that respect, it 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 does a good job. At the same time, saying all that, yeah, I mean, if if you're used to playing these ones, which you know, take you know half a year to to complete, then I think you know you would be feeling a little bit like, oh, okay, well. Why is there only really one area? Why can't I grind all the way up to, to 99 if I choose to do so? You know, some people actually enjoy doing that, so I'm not too sure that this the yeah. game would suit them, but it's interesting to see that there is an alternative. It could be a snack in between main courses. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on then, I'd actually forgotten uh, that this game has an online multiplayer. Um, until I was re-researching. Now, I did play this very briefly. Did either of you? Nope. 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 Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't suppose it's very well populated. Um, that was my guess. These days. Yeah. Uh, it was sort of... Um, yeah, co- combative and cooperative modes were supported. It felt a little to me in my brief time with it, like somewhere between Fantasy Star Online and Monster Hunter, but in a, but very very limited. So there was a versus, but wasn't it just one on one? I believe. I think that's what I read. It was just one on one. So check out how powerful I am versus how powerful you yeah. are. Yeah. Is there actually yes. any story related to this multiplayer, or is it just a case of getting thrown into an arena and chopping people into bits? I don't recall, but I'm pretty sure there. I, wasn't I think any the the co-op stuff is they they pick you up against certain boss stuff, so it is very much monster monster hunter esque. So yeah, type thing, which you know could again, you know, it's one of those things where if by some unlikely circumstance you have the right 
set of people who are interested in doing it you'd probably have some fun playing it but yeah. um, the thing is, you'd I, be better off playing Monster I mean, Hunter personally speaking I might have been more encouraged to give it a go if there had been that uh, extra narrative kind of propelling it along maybe mm. uh, flushing out certain cartels or even oh. giving you like uh, even rewards in the main game or even just a house like trophies for a house or something like that you know <laughs> yeah. as it mm. stands just battle arenas it always kind of feels yeah. throwaway to me in a game like this yeah for sure right let's hear from a uh, few correspondents on this particular game the last story starting with Roy42 he says all killer no filler the last story keeps up a great pace never forces level grinding on the player the weapons and armor system is nice and streamlined and while there's a load of little side quests and extra things to do the game never feels bloated for having them the battle system is fantastic it keeps the game from ever getting bogged down like most any other JRPG where a single battle with two low level foes will take at least a minute to get through My favourite part about it is how it handles experience points for party members, where they still gain, even if they're killed during the fight, so you never end up with the Pokemon problem of getting really far into the game and having only two people at a level where they won't die immediately. The voice acting could have been better, but that's always the case in these games. It's good enough to bring the cast alive, and in the current state of games that's all you can realistically ask for. I got invested in the party enough that the shocking story moment near the end bummed me out a little. Mm. we'll leave that mysterious because there's no actual need for us to spoil it the last story is a fantastic example of how you should never pigeonhole people into certain skill sets designed by the creator of Final Fantasy with music from the guy who scored most of Final Fantasy we have a game that neither plays nor sounds anything like (laughs) Final Fantasy and is easily a better game than the long-standing series recent entries to boot I think uh, Mr. Roy there echoing what mm-hmm. we said. Interesting, uh, he is not, uh, he doesn't have an English accent himself. He is, he is an Australian accent, but he uh, also wasn't a massive fan of the voice acting. However, Flabio, our next correspondent, uh, is an English accented person. He says, I've fallen out of love with the JRPG. They tend to be full of tedious side quests and lots of pointless grinding of enemies to level up enough to progress past the next boss barrier. The last story is not like that. What it is, is a game that mixes a little real-time action into its combat, in a manner that's not that dissimilar to Valkyria Chronicles. In some ways, the combat plays a lot like that in Final Fantasy XII. It's a shame that some of the more complex tactics it tutorials near the beginning of the game don't get much of an outing, apart from in a few key set pieces, though. It's a game with a fun cast of characters that are well voice-acted. When the opening line of a game is a nicely female northern, Come back here, you scaly bastards! You know the localization is going to be fun. And a story that doesn't fall into cliché all that much. Its villains are a little vaguely defined, but the plot isn't really about them. It's a game that doesn't ever feel like it's overstaying its welcome. The side quests are few and short. There's almost no level grinding required to progress. If you're grinding anything, it's for materials for the item crafting. And the story takes about 25 to 30 hours to complete. In short, it's a JRPG that actually takes some design risks in deciding to break with some conventions of the genre, which adds up to something well worth your time. We only have four three-word reviews, but that's four more than it looked like we were going to get. <laughs> the community steps up again. So let's start with Darren and Scotts. Scotts Russell says, hopefully not last. Jerome McIntosh says, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> we're so desperate we would allow that one. Um, yeah. Frozen Treasure, real-time enjoyment. 
and Glenn Watts finishes with Genre Evolving Goodness. Thank you one and all for that. So to conclude, I feel like uh, we, we're all singing from a similar hymn sheet, but um, whether we can persuade anyone to dig out their Wii or fire up their Wii U to play this, or even source a copy of this game, is it now rare and expensive? I don't, I don't know. Um, but yes, I'll start. Uh, I enjoyed the last story. But there was not much about it that I was, you know, kind of absolutely blown away by. But I do have enormously fond memories of the combat sequences. Um, it was one of those games where it just felt it was easy to play in, in every sense. It was pleasant. It was enjoyable. It, it I don't remember it annoying me at any stage. Um, and even though sometimes the Wii was struggling, if not just the, the, the graphics engine, you know, where you'd end up in a kind of, with the frame rate dipping and a big mess of colours and polygons clipping around each other. Um, the battles got hectic. It, you could you could extricate yourself and it wasn't, it was never bad to the point that, um, you know, it was actually killing me. You know, the the, the mess was destroying my ability to get through a section or whatever um i kind of wish that they'd included the japanese language option um, because i did find the amateur dramatics of some of the voice acting a little off-putting and yeah the voiceover um was just weirdly sort of aimed uh, young um and the themes of the story while i approve of them you know they're good-hearted themes about uh you know not being mean to your fellow man and um, standing like up that. for what's right standing up for what's <laughs> right being a good person being selfless Given rather than selfish <laughs> giving down all your money um, yeah and there's there's themes about um, people being oppressed uh, and that's that's what causes the conflict rather than you know basically the, the higher ups creating strife among the people uh, to distract them from the real problems good themes in there but um but nothing especially original or or astonishingly well handled but yeah my memories of this and if if i were if they were to release a definitive edition hd or whatever my main reason my almost my only reason for playing 25 hours through again would be for that uh, deliciously enjoyable combat albeit slightly too easy perhaps darren well for me i'm kind of on the same page um I did enjoy the last story. Um, the storyline was decent, I thought, but uh, as you're saying, it was wasn't handled quite as well as it could have been. The scripting was pretty run of the mill. I did like the cartels, you know. The cartels were uh, mainly their designs and their personalities. I don't think they were really given enough to do in the game either, you know. But as a person that plays a lot of RPGs, this isn't one of the better ones. It's also far from the worst, and. The combat in this game is really where it shines and shows it the most, um, not so much inspiration, but it's it's where it's the most unique. And even though that there's some a, a real mishmash of ideas in there, it all comes together really well. Um, if you master it, you can absolutely destroy your enemies. And if you don't uh, master it, you can still usually just run in and kind of power your way through it because the game isn't that challenging. 
I think that it's a good game, but it's not one that I would be going back to anytime soon, I don't think, you know. If they did release a definitive edition, I would probably jump into it just for a, a quick refresher. Um, I might end up playing it through, but chances are I would uh, be happy with just another two or three hours, kind of get re-familiarised with the game, and then put it to the side again. It's enjoyable, I don't think it's genre-defining, and I don't think that it's uh, Sakaguchi's best work, or Mist Walker's best work. At the same time, I do think that it's an enjoyable enough game, so if you're starving for something to play, um, 20 to 30 hours isn't a huge amount of time for an RPG, or a JRPG in this case, and I think that if you were interested in uh, checking it out, you know, even though you won't be blown away, I do recommend just uh, going in, see what you think, and check out the combat, and see what you think. Thank you very much. Now let's conclude with the person who's uh, who has the game freshest in their <laughs> mind, Tony. Uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm glad I finally played it. Uh, there's nothing worse than having a game that you know, you've you've paid over the odds to buy the special edition and stuck it on the shelf and never actually got round it. I'm looking at Nino Cooney up on the shelf right now with a beautiful uh, big box edition I got. Um, <laughs> purely because I fell for the same thing. I'm like, oh my god, you know, I, I need to play it. And then you know, but the realization of that is it's a huge game and I don't have that kind of amount of time now to pump into those games and I mean ultimately I think that that's the saving grace of the last story I I think if they tried to make this into a 90 hour game there's a good chance it would have been a disaster um, the story whilst interesting enough it wouldn't last you know, it wouldn't spread out over 90 hours of gameplay um, many JRPGs fall into that trap that you just end up not caring about the characters or you know essentially hating the characters quite often by the end because they just spread the content too thin the gameplay I think would have been the same I think if I had to to, to carry on doing the same old um, you know diffuse circles as, as fun as it was for 25 hours I think if they spread that across 90 hours I, I probably would have been eh, you know I've kind of had enough of that so I think it's they, they were clever enough to to limit themselves to, to the you know, the central idea and actually just tailor it to a, a smaller JRPG experience um, saying that because of they done that I feel like you know the world is a little bit lackluster they could have done a lot I think I don't know if the, the Wii was a little bit of the hampering of that um, but you know it's the Wii's done some incredible stuff, so, so maybe not. But I, I feel like it, it's a JRPG with its wins clipped, but at the same time, it's it's probably good because of that. Um, but like like you both said, I, I'm not too sure this is a must play. I think if you if you you know if you enjoy um, the previous work, like Lost Souls is a, a lot better game, um, and there's a lot better JRPGs out there that are probably worth more of your investment. But it's, it's certainly not a bad game. Um, I enjoyed my my time with it. Um, the combat will be the things I remember. Um, the story is good enough, I guess that. Um, my wife told me I couldn't finish it until because she, she wanted to go to bed, so I had to wait a day later. So, <laughs> so hmm. she wanted to see what the end was, yeah. and you know, it's all maybe a bit too happy, happy. Um, it finishes off, everything just wraps up a bit too neatly, maybe. So, um, yeah, I I enjoyed my time with it, but I think as you both said, I think there's there's better examples of the genre out there, but uh, I think you know at the same time they've they've managed to to curtail it into a 25 hour experience and, and because of that um, I think it should probably be applauded to to try something that both different with its combat and uh, the way that it kind of com- you know just pushes everything into a shorter experience of JRPG so I, I guess yeah if you've got time give it a go that said like 
yeah, we're all, we're all in a similar mm. place with it. That said, I would be pretty. Uh, I'll be all right with this game having an influence over future JRPGs in terms of the combat. Now, I know some people will always want the traditional JRPG combat. Um, there's a reason why Japanese designers have continued to make games which have, you know, menu turn-based, strictly rigid type things. But um, and you know, I'm sure those games will continue to exist for some time yet. But equally, um, if there were more games that that used something akin to this template where you're actually it yeah marries up the action with with the number crunching um i'm i'm i'd be fine with that because it certainly felt more just felt you know just more interactive more you had more agency i suppose mm. it's i, I do find mm. it's one of those games where i i didn't feel the need to constantly be playing it um I, I found myself drifting away and, and playing other titles around this game and coming back to it. Uh, so yeah, it's it, it didn't have its hooks entirely into me. And there was a point where I'm like, okay, I have the show coming up. I I need to 100 percent focus yeah. on this title. Um, I, I also yeah. should have mentioned the settler, but I think it could have benefited from having more sections like the haunted mansion segment. Just completely left field, weird little escapades oh, within the story. Because mm. I thought that was really. It, not so much interesting, but it was funny and it was engaging, you know. And some of the main story didn't quite live up to that. Oh yeah, the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And everybody getting dragged into coffins. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the boss. I mean, the, I enjoyed the boss. But the boss battles were really quite interesting. Um, you're learning which tactics are, are what, and you know, having your party wipe. But it, once again, having a party wipe and it not being such a big deal because each each member of your party has got five lives, and normally, even if you're trying to suss out what a boss is doing, you you, you know you lose a couple of lives. It's it's no big deal. Um, so certainly towards the end as well, you have a a power break where you can revive and actually give everyone a life back. So it, it's very hard to actually see a game over screen entirely. All right then, that was the last story. There will be no more stories. <laughs> Well, supposedly he called it that because he wanted Final to treat fantasy. it as if it would be the last the last story he did. Well, yes, there's obviously the Final <laughs> Fantasy sort of <laughs> the pun. The saga. But yeah. but yeah, apparently it was because he wanted to put so much into it. In You know, he was, you know, living each day like you're, it's your last kind of thing. He was making what he wanted to tell the last story. And it's story. funny because that, um, I mean, that, that passion just doesn't show through in the final product. Not really. I don't really think so either, but... There you go. Uh, I don't know what you, I don't know what he or Mistwalker are currently working on. Um, probably something on mobile a f- format. <laughs> yeah, mobile. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, mobile, free to play. Um, or it could be something for PS4. Anyway, just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony Atkins and Darren Foreman, and to tell you that next time in issue 115 we'll be discussing Castlevania. Lords of Shadow and other 3D Castlevania shenanigans with our special guest Andy Hamilton of Midnight Resistance. Until then!